Let's review last week very quickly because we stopped in the middle of the text. I'm glad we stopped where we did because we would not have been able to finish it probably anyway. And it was important that we go and visit with a dear sister on her birthday. It did her good, I'm sure. I know it did me. But we began chapter 22. There's a called the River of Life. And it's coming from the throne of God. We went back to Ezekiel 47 and Genesis 2, bringing forth the Spirit of God in the tree of life. What was in the garden, what we lost in the sin of Adam, and what God promised in Ezekiel 47 that He would restore to us. And we understand by going through this book that this, of course, came from the throne of God. For it is the presence of God. It's the Spirit of God. In heaven and immortal glory, the Lord God will be feel all in all. Every creature, and I say that meaning all things created, that He elected to save, will be there with Him. God is the only being who is not created. All other things were made by Him in Christ. And the glory of God is there. It's in all. We know when we get there, we'll see Him as He is. There will be no more sin, death, sorrow. But here in this world, this has come down unto us. This knowledge is. It's revealed to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of the church, Jesus Christ, and the preaching of the gospel built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's the church here in the world, the kingdom here in the world. We are in the Gentile church, for this is where God is calling His people in Christ into His kingdom. If you're born of the Spirit, you're in the kingdom of God, whether you ever attend a church service or not, but unto those that God preserves that come into the church and have the special blessings of suffering for Christ, of learning of Christ, of being separate from the world, of mourning His sacrifice, of rejoicing in His love and striving in everything we do to give glory and honor unto God. Now last week we talked about the Spirit of God. I did not go to Joel 3, but I'm going to do that before moving on. Verse 18, chapter 3 tells us about the coming of Christ. We've gone through that before. And the kingdom God would establish and His people being gathered together. Verse 18 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountain shall drop down new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters. Here's my point. And a fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord and shall water the valley of Shittim. A fountain that is the same river of life, the water of life, that we see in Revelation 22. That's the same water, the living water, that Christ told the woman about in John chapter 4. I'll give you one more proof text going along with Revelation 22 and Ezekiel 47 and Zechariah 14 verse 4 beginning a text, it says, His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem. This is speaking of the time, and primarily when Christ would go into the garden and would pray, and some of His disciples were with Him. And when He left there, He crossed, came down, crossed the brook Kidron, came up into the same place, place where the altar was built, place where the cross was laid in the ground, placed in the ground with Christ upon it, the same place that Abraham offered up his son Isaac in Genesis 22. History records this being the same place. And there God provided a lamb and Isaac was spared the promised seed, that being Christ. This is the same place. He stood upon the Mount of Olives. Christ came to this world to suffer, bleed, and die and save His people from the sins and that work is finished, completed Eternal life is here. It is for you. When you're born of the Spirit of God, you are in possession of eternal life. Not the body, but the Spirit, the soul. The body will possess it at the last day, the day of judgment, when body and spirit are reunited together. When Christ appears in the eastern sky, He will not step foot in this sin-cursed earth again. He has stood upon the Mount of Olives. He's come unto the cross. He finished that work. 
fulfilling the law to a jot and a tittle. This is speaking of, and that's why I'm bringing this forward, to go back to Revelation 22. This is speaking of the time of the crucifixion. We could go many places. 118th Psalm, bind the sacrifice, of course, to the altar. Christ, upon the cross, bound the sacrifice of God, the Lamb of God, bound to the cross by the covenant between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now let's move on to what the fountain. Verse 8 of chapter 14. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out of Jerusalem. This is the Spirit of God. This was manifested in Acts chapter 2. Half of them shall go toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea in summer and in winter shall be. The Spirit of God reaches all the way back to Adam and all the way forward to the last promised heir of God. This world will not end until the last promised heir of God is born of the Spirit of God. At that time, He can deliver up the kingdom. We don't know when He will or when that will be, but we know that it will not be until the last one He died for is saved. And we're saved by being born of the Spirit of God. We have that in the blood of the Son of God. We talked about the Spirit. We talked about the depth of it, ankles, knees, loins, so deep you couldn't swim across it. And he brought him back to the brink of the river. Now this is Revelation 47. I want to put this in 22 together of Revelation. Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. What do we see in Revelation? Chapter 2, verse 2. And in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, river of life, was there the tree of life? Remember, this is a type of Christ. In Revelation, it is Christ. Genesis teaches us of the tree of life that was there in the midst of the garden. Only one. There's only one Christ, only one salvation, only one way to God that represents Christ. We were separated from that in sin. Christ died and has redeemed us from our sin. He is the tree of life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to God. He's the truth because He is God manifest in the flesh and He is our life. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river of life, there was the tree of life, which bare an ice of life is mine. Let me stick to Scripture. And yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now I'm going to say this. Now we will be healed completely when this body's raised up. And we'll be in heaven in immortal glory. I'm giving you reason why the Bible portrays part of this here in the kingdom of God in this world. Back to Ezekiel 47 and 7. <clears throat> now, when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and the other. Trees represent the children of God. One place in the Old Testament says the trees shall clap their hands. David said the trees of God, the trees of Lebanon are men. Then said he unto me, these waters, this spirit, issue out toward the east country. The east is where the light comes. By nature the sun rises in the east. This represents in nature the light of God who is Christ. Even in the city of Jerusalem, in the temple and the altar, it goes from east to west. Every bit of light comes from the east. Every bit of worship comes from Christ. He is the light of God. Then said he, these waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert. A desert is a barren place. Very little life at any at all in a true desert. We see deserts in the western part of this country with sand and sparse vegetation. You get into the desert, they call Sahara. I've never seen it, but I understand by reading and seeing pictures, there's no vegetation in it unless you come upon an oasis. We can go back and talk about Elam there. But my point, the desert is barren. This place is barren. There's nothing there. It's all dead. It's barren. But these waters, the Spirit of God which comes from Christ, and go down into the desert. 
God is life. Christ is life. God is love. Christ is our life in the love of God. Many, many times talk about creation. There was nothing and God spoke and it was. From nothing, God created life. John 1, speaking of the living Word of God, who was, was God, in Him is our life. He quickens us. He paid our sacrifice as the sacrifice of God. He paid our sin debt. He died for our sins. His blood covered our sin. He is our life. Not only do we have life through Him, but He is our life because Christ is within you. Now, this Spirit is going to go down into the desert. I'll just say barrenness, death, dead, nothing that represents the natural man fallen in Adam. This is a symbolic book just as the book of Revelation. But it's given that we may understand by nature the things of God. Christ spoke to Nicodemus about being born again. As we are in nature born, how can a man be entered a second time into his mother's womb? And the Lord told him, if you understand not earthly things, how can you understand spiritual things? These things are given to us in earthly terms that we may understand them in the beauty of Scripture. These waters, the Spirit goes into the east country, it goes down in the desert, and then go into the sea. All kinds of speculation on these seas, I'm not going to touch them, we've covered some of that before. But He's going to tell us, which bring which being brought forth into the sea, I don't care if it's the sea of time or the sea of God's people, the waters shall be healed. Waters represent spirit. God's Son came into this world. We were dead in trespass and sin. We were away from God. We could not approach unto God. We were foreigners from the commonwealth of Israel. Christ died for us. Christ is within us and we have life. Our soul has life. Our spirit has life. The body must be laid down, but our spirit is brought to life. That's why Jesus says men ought always to pray because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit of God within us that gives us life. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth which moveth whithersoever the rivers shall come. He's not saying everything born of God, but what he is saying is everything that lives and moves that belongs to God, that is in the elect of God, that the Son of Man quickens whom he will, the river shall come. Wherever the rivers come, there will be life. Very basically, if the Spirit of God is there. There is life. If the Spirit of God is within you, there is life. That does away with every false doctrine of works, whether it's choice or works or whatever. The choice is God's. The work is God's. And it's all in Christ. He gave you life by His Spirit which came into the desert of the darkness of your soul and drove the darkness away and gave you life. Whithersoever the river shall come, wherever, Jew or Gentile, Jew or Greek, not just as he's writing to a man of Israel who is in a nation of Israel taken captive in bondage, not only to the Israelites, but to God's elect among the Gentiles. And everywhere this river comes, everywhere this Spirit goes, that person, that being shall live. Now watch this. There shall be a very great multitude of fish. I love this. Matthew 4. Way back there in Ezekiel, God giving promise to them, just like He did of Abraham, of a city that was not built with hands, but built of God, He's giving indication in Ezekiel 47 of the coming kingdom of God. They were in bondage. They would be released from bondage. We're released from bondage in the church of God of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God which gives us life into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What's the name of the book? Revealed unto us. 
The finished work of Christ by the Spirit of God. Fish. Fish in the water. Matthew 4, 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. They made their living catching fish. They would take the net and cast it and pull it in. This is a hard, tedious work. The ministry is a hard, tedious work. If a man is going to be successful, first of all, he's got to be called of God. Second of all, he's got to pray. He's got to study to show himself approved of God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. I'm tired of people saying, well, you don't need this when you preach. You don't need that when you preach. If you don't study the Bible, you're not going to preach the Bible. Now, with that said, with that said, Jesus said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And He does the same thing in the next several verses, speaking of the sons of thunder. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. We see in John that when the Lord had been crucified, Peter said, I go fishing. He's going back to work. They cast their net. They fish all night long. They have caught absolutely nothing. Been there, done that? Not with a net, with a rod. And the Lord appeared. And what did the Lord tell them? Cast thy net on the right side. If we are going to catch fish in this great river of grace that God has poured out upon us, we have to cast it on the right side. We need to preach nothing else but Christ and Him crucified. There is a full gospel. When Christ gives us life, the glory is His. We are to forsake all others and to follow Him just as Peter and Andrew did. We're to follow Him. We're to have our net on the right side. We're to preach and teach the blood of Jesus Christ, the elect of God, the election of grace. What God foreknew and what God did from the realm of eternity again into the realm of eternity. And we're to preach a full gospel by declaring as God does in Christ, in Scripture. We're to come apart from the sin-cursed earth. We're not to fight them or kill them. We're to come apart from them and be ye separate. When our forefathers came to this country, and this country was founded in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, if you don't believe that, read the writings of Patrick Henry. They didn't want to fight. They didn't even get into the Revolutionary War for a long time. They wanted to be left alone, separate from the world. That's what the church is to be, separate from the world. This is a picture of the church. And worship our God in loyalty and adoration. Everything it touches shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish. They were fishers of men fishing for fish. They were there to catch men. We are here to go into all the world. That doesn't mean knock down every door, go in, force them to be baptized and all this crazy stuff you see and hear in the world. If we could just reach them. Well, it's not my place to reach anybody. It's God's. My job is to follow where God sends me and to preach to those that God sends me to. Whether they're in the church, whether they're outside the church, whether they're in the United States of Alabama or Africa like some have gone, or China, or any other place. He has not moved me with that. My labor is here. That's where I feel to be, and I thank Him. And I pray daily. But the point of the ministry in being fishers of men, the Spirit of God gives you life. The preaching of the Gospel is the means by which God calls you into the church to serve the Lord in spirit and in truth. Christ, Christ, Christ. There's nothing else. There shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come hither. 
A very great multitude of fish. We live in such times our government's corrupt. Satan sits in the halls of government. Our society has become so godless. What are we to do? Well, the first thing is be separate from them and worship God in that sense. But if we're led of the God of heaven to bear witness to Christ, to someone or some ones, somewhere, then we are to do it. Jesus said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. He said, the fields are white unto harvest. I full well believe that as we stand in this nation so blessed of God, which is rapidly descending into the pits of hell itself, that God still has a people in this world and our responsibility as ministers to God's children given from God is to make disciples and to preach the gospel of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I fail greatly. He said, Because these waters shall come thither, they shall be healed. And every living thing, catch this, whither the river cometh. What the river touches, where the river touches, will be healed. Where the Spirit of God is, there is life and there is healing. Healing. Now taking you from sin and the death of sin to life is not a healing. <laughs> That's a creation. You're a new creation. So when we talk about healing and the tree of life given healing, we're talking about healing as we live in this world, as we suffer, as we're persecuted, as those around us uh, that we love pass away and go to the Lord, or those that we know persecute us and turn against us, or whatever the case may be. We're healed by the tree of life. We're healed by Christ. We're healed by the knowledge of the Son of God and His presence within us. Verse 10 of Ezekiel 47, And it shall come to pass that the fishers, the ministry beginning with the apostles, shall stand upon it from Engedi even unto Enegliam. Okay. Engedi is 30, 40 miles southeast of Jerusalem. <clears throat> it sits on the banks of the Salt Sea. The water is so salty, nothing can live there. So it's called the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. The word in Gedi represents the name, means the place of the goat. Goats are often used in idolatry. But there, you can find pictures on the internet, there are streams of waterfalls there which flow into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead. There's nothing alive in it. Here is a place of idolatry. The place of the young goat. That's in Get I. Now, an egg limb is a little bit harder to find. It's not on the map anymore. Uh, I'll just give you this. Pliny says it's on the east coast of Israel. The name means the spring, bubbling up springs, of two bulls. The two bulls. The calves that were made of Aaron, when Moses, an example of two bulls, that when Moses was called of God to go up into the mount, they said of this man Moses, we know not what, up, oh, let us make us gods. This is idolatry. This is our nature. This is what God took us from in the knowledge of Christ. We see two calves also when the kingdom was rent because of the sin of Solomon, the wise man, Man's wisdom gets him nowhere. It's all the grace of God. But when Jeroboam took ten and a half tribes to the north, knowing that they would go back down to Jerusalem to worship and his kingdom would fall, which it did, he made two calves and said, These be thy gods 
O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The calves, the two bulls, represent idolatry. So over on this side of the Dead Sea, we have the image of a young goat. On this side, that was the west. On the east side of the Dead Sea, we have the two bulls, idolatry. And in the middle is the Dead Sea where there's nothing living. It's all dead. That represents us. That represents our nature that God would take us from by this Spirit of grace, this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, which is going to come into this sea and touch us and give us life and heal us. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from En-Gedi even to Enegliam. They shall be a place to spread forth their nets, the ministry. Their fish shall be according to their kinds. Not just Jew, not just Israelite, but from every nation, kindred, people, tongue. Everyone God has an elect from. As the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. How many going to be in heaven? Exceeding many. But the miry places, catch this. Now this dispels so many false doctrines. But the miry places thereof, and the marishes there, shall not be healed. What's this? What's this? You mean God's not fair? God's not going to give them an opportunity? He didn't give us an opportunity. He quickened us. We were quite content being at enmity with God by our nature in Christ quickened us and gave us life. The wicked, it's not given to them to know the things of God. Where they are and who they are and whatever they dwell in represented by the stench of the marsh. You ever been in an old stinking swamp in the middle of the summer? It stinks. It's dirty. It's vile. It's filthy. You can't drink that water. You don't like to get in that water. They'll be given the salt. One place in the New Testament, salt's preservative. This salt references the salt of the Dead Sea which keeps everything dead and it's so strong nothing can live there. And by the river upon the bank thereof and on this side and on that side shall grow all trees for meat beside this river of life are very many trees whose leaf shall not fade. And by the way, all the marsh is around us. David said in the 23rd Psalm, Thou preparest a table for me before mine enemies, in the presence of mine enemies. Here He feeds us. Shall grow all trees for meat. What does meat do? It gives us nutrients. You eat the food, you become stronger, you're able to walk. What does spiritual food do? Many times... We refer to it as manna. It nourishes your soul. When you go through the hard times, when a loved one has passed, when a once great nation has fallen, when churches die away, Josh has been down around Alexander City, all those churches that used to be down there, what happened to them? They all went off after the doctrine of there is no hell. You know what? They don't exist anymore. They're all dead. That's sad. But even in that, we have peace in the knowledge of Christ. This leaf shall not fade, never goes away, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit, According to His months, it's always there. It's renewed. It's renewed. It's renewed. That is the knowledge of Christ. Renewed. It's revealed unto us. Revelation. Anew. Through Scripture. And the Spirit of God. And the preaching of the Gospel. According to His months, because their waters, the Spirit moved, they issued out of the sanctuary. They came from God. And the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. It heals us. We are healed by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> now, same text. Back to Revelation 22. 
leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, curse of the law, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. Christ is in heaven in immortal glory at the right hand of the majesty on high. There is no doubt that He is there. But this has come down to us. By faith we see Him on the throne beside the majesty on high. And His servants, the church, His people, shall serve Him. When Philippians says that for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure, he's not saying God gave you a chance. He's not saying God gave you a decision. He's saying God caused you. Paul said, began a good work in you. We're not robots. We can fall and God will pick us up eventually. May let us suffer in it for a while. But this is all the work of God. They shall serve Him. They shall see His face. There we'll stand before Him. 1 John 3, 2, For we shall see Him as He is. And His name shall be in their foreheads. Our thought process uh, is always centered around Christ because God has put it there. Oh, how we suffer in this world as Satan seeks to devour and turn our thoughts aside from Christ to the things of the world, to a government or a nation or, or a society or the, the pleasures and thoughts of the things of the world that eat at a man or woman's heart. Trying to turn us aside. But God will never leave us nor forsake us. We see His face by faith. There we'll see Him by sight. His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. This is symbolic teaching. I do not know if there will be a sun and a moon in eternal glory. God created them in the world He created for His purpose. We have read several times from the books of Acts of a time of restitution, a time of restoration. We read in 2 Peter 3 of a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness, a place where God will put us, much like the first earth, but, or let me say it this way, a place to dwell much like the first earth in the sense of having all that we have here that God gave us in a place to serve Him with, but much, 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 much better because there we will see Him as He is, not as the pre-incarnate Son of God, but as the crucified Son of God who defeated death, sin, and Satan, our Lord and our King. We'll see Him there. Here we see Him by faith. There will be no night there, for the light of God has driven darkness away. What is He referring to here in this symbolic picture of the church? There's no night in our soul. Certainly it approaches to us. We just talked about that. But you will not be deceived finally and forever. God will not give you up the light of Christ. There's no false doctrine in the true church of God. God sustains it. God keeps it. The 144,000, remember, There shall be no night there, no darkness. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun. We don't need artificial light. We don't need man-made devices. We don't need the sun. That's not man-made, that's God-made. But the point showing us in nature, all we need is the light of God, and that is Christ. This is symbolic of the church. For the Lord God giveth them light. How? In Christ. John chapter 1. And they shall reign forever and ever. I'll guarantee you this. The Lord Jesus Christ reigns in heaven and earth. There is no sin in heaven. There has never been any sin in heaven. Therefore, there has never been any death in heaven. Christ reigns, Christ reigns, Christ reigns. When we come into heaven in immortal glory, body, spirit, and soul, we shall see Him as He is and we will realize that He has power over all flesh, power over all things. There's nothing in heaven that reigns 
but the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a symbol in the church going back to Revelation 5 in Him we live and reign on the earth. We live and reign over sin and death in the earth by Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And He said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. Let me give you an advance notice. What are we talking about? The preaching of the Gospel, which declares Christ, which brings life and immortality to light. Well, why do you go down that church every Sunday? People would ask me. Why? Well, what do you get out of that? What's the point? The knowledge of Christ. Peace from this world. Peace. My Savior is pleased to dwell with us there in a more intimate manner as we sit under the preaching of the Gospel and the singing of praise and prayers of the saints of God. These sayings are faithful and true. It's Gospel truth. For the Lord God of the holy prophets sent His angel, prophets, preachers, ministers, it's talking about preaching to show unto His servants the things which must shortly be done. If this is speaking of what is ahead, it's shortly. This is speaking of what we look for in heaven and earth, which is given to us to understand in the preaching of the Gospel. By the Gospel, we have a hope, we have a, a knowledge of the earnest expectation we have of the things which Christ has done in His finished work, and we long for that to be in heaven and immortal glory and leave this world behind. Yes, that's in heaven. Yes, that's what we look for. And it's come down to us that we might understand it. Shortly be done. It's not long. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I've heard that used as a works doctrine. You got to work to get there. That's that. Why would the Bible all from beginning to end teach us about the sovereignty of God and of the power of His Christ and the love and mercy of Him upon His people and then in one or two verses throw it all down? It does not. So we must rightly divide the word of truth. You are blessed if you keep the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Again, God works it in us. If God works it in us, then we are blessed. If we strive, and we'll get into this before the end of the chapter, the end of the book, if we strive and God blesses and we maintain true doctrine, we are truly blessed. Because in that Christ is glorified in Christ alone. Behold, I come quickly. <laughs> He's coming back a, one day. It's closer than it was yesterday. If He doesn't come back today, it'll be closer tomorrow. <clears throat> Daniel said, time, times, and a half time. Let me give you, let me give you something. Daniel 12. That's after Ezekiel. I was going to read this. I don't have time now. But he's talking about sealing up the book. You notice here he says seal the book. Don't let them know about the end of time. Revelation 10, he said seal these words. It's not meant to be known. He's not saying seal it here. He's saying declare it. This is the preaching of the Gospel. But in each of these, we find these words. I'm going to give you proof of something. Uh, in Daniel 12... He speaks of 2,290 days and He speaks of 1,305 days. He says, Blessed is he that waiteth. Let me find it. From the time the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. When was that? Jerusalem, 70 A.D. Proof what He's talking about. The time He's talking about. And the abomination that maketh deathless set up there shall be 1,290 days. Now you do some math. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. Blessed. Blessed is he. That is a forty-five day period of time. A short time. 
That is, I believe, the time Satan is loosed upon the earth. And then what's going to happen? We talked about this in Revelation 20. Fire comes down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Blessed are those who come to the end of those days, who come through those things. Brethren, the way this world has changed in my short lifetime, especially the last 20 to 30 years, if we're not living in the last days, I am terribly deceived. I do not want to see them if it's going to get any worse. Lord, take me away before they come. For just a short time. That's why I said, Blessed are they that keep the sayings of the prophets of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Now, I believe this angel is a minister, and I'll tell you why as we go through it. But let's consider this. This is revealed to John in a natural way that a natural man can understand by nature. There's no light. Christ is the light. The Spirit of God coming from the throne of God to us, the river of life. Walking with Christ. Walking through the darkness of this time in which we live. Walking with Christ. And seeing that very, very soon, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, He whom God hath exalted above all other things, is going to return the sky will split open, rolled away as a scroll. All the wicked, all the world, all tainted with sin will inherit the lake of fire, the everlasting lake of fire. And everything God chose to save will be with Him. That's overwhelming. That is outstanding. That is amazing. It can't be comprehended, John was in awe of what he saw, the God of heaven. And he fell before the angel. The feet of the angel in awe and admiration of Christ. Then saith he unto me, the angel, see thou do it not. For I, the angel, am thy fellow servant. He's a servant of God, servant of Christ. And of thy brethren the prophets, that's what makes me think he's one of these ministers, whether it's the four and twenty elders, or one of the other angels in the book, portraying a minister. They're all in the Spirit of God. And of them which keep the sayings of this book, those whom God works in, those whom God began a good work, those whom God sustains. Well, you've done good, you've persevered. That word's been taken so out of context. We've persevered because we've preserved in Christ, and God has kept us in Christ. There's nothing of my own. There's no righteousness of my own. There's so many times I should have fallen, been consumed, and died, and in my mind cast into the straight into the pit of fire because of my very nature and the things I think. Preserved in Christ. That's how we persevere. We're to persevere in prayer. The only time the word persevere is mentioned in Scripture, it's talking about persevering in prayer. That tells me we ought always to be praying because when we pray, we're a little bit closer to the Lord because we're talking to Him and He's answering. Blessed are they which keep the sayings of this book. And here's the two important words. Worship God. Christ is God. He's not just a man. He's not just a prophet. He is the man, Jesus Christ, to whom God manifests Himself to us. And He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Don't seal it. The time's at hand. 
This is the last days. This is a generation of grace. It's not going to be much longer. I don't know when. You don't know when. Only God the Father knows that. But we're given an assurance. Not a warning. An assurance. It's not going to be long. <laughs> and He'll appear. Tell God's people about this. Unseal it. Preach the Gospel. Let's dispel some false doctrine. Let me go back to Daniel 12 and find that real quick before I start. Mark it with that. Verse 17 of Revelation 22. Well, we got to go out there and save all them people. Oh, God forbid. 22 and 11 Revelation. He that is unjust let him be unjust still. Let him alone. You cannot give life. You cannot give understanding. You cannot give the knowledge. You can change not even yourself, especially not someone else. It's all done of the Lord. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. Let the wicked be wicked. Let them be judged by the things that God has placed in this world to be a terror unto them such as government and armies. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. You can't baptize him and make him clean. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, set aside, sanctified, let him be holy still. Back to Daniel 12 very quickly. Daniel is by the waters of the river in verse 6 of Daniel 12. Or he's, I'm sorry, I'm stuck in Ezekiel. Man clothed in fine linen which was upon the waters of the river. How long shall it be the end of these wonders? All the wonders. And by the way, if you look at all these wonders, they bring you up to Rome and the coming of Christ. Okay, So understand the text of what Daniel is talking about. The church and the world. The kingdom of God and the world. They were in bondage. God would release them. The church and the world that Christ built and builds. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which is upon the waters of the river, the Spirit of God, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Greeks, Mede, Persians, Rome. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which is upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever that it should be a time, time and a half, and when they shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people. When were they scattered? When Rome destroyed the nation. Many of them fled. Many of them were taken into bondage. Many of them were killed. They scattered the power of the holy people, those of that day in the law service. And all these things shall be finished. Now let's come to the point. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. He's telling us over here it is the time of the end in Revelation 22. Preach this Gospel. And here's my point in verse 10. Many shall be purified and made white and fried. God's children will be quickened and given life. They're made pure, holy, and without blame before God the Father in love. He sees no sin in them. And they're tried because they live in this world of darkness. But they're promised a kingdom. We have that kingdom today. And there is even a greater kingdom in heaven above. We have that. Cherish it. Love it. The great treasure. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Go back to Revelation 22.11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. Let the wicked be wicked. The day comes where they'll perish They'll be consumed in the wrath of God and cast into the lake of fire. Let the filthy be filthy still. What are we to be concerned about? 
preaching, teaching in the church of God to the children of God. When I say church of God, I don't mean just in the church house. If God moves a man to evangelize, if God moves a man to speak to a brother or sister, it's somewhere out in the world and that's what we ought to be doing. I know evangelism was opened in Christ and the Gentiles were brought in. We follow after. I can't go to a country where the Gospel has never been preached. As far as I know, it's been preached everywhere. we got a church in Mexico or did a few years ago. had one in China. I don't know if it's still there because they hate the Lord and they kill His people. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. What is he saying? Follow after me. And behold, I come quickly. That's the last words of this book just about. Come, Lord. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Well, you see there, He's warning you. He's not warning you. He's just giving you this great symbol of the kingdom that you might understand what we have in this world and what lays ahead in glory. Let the wicked be wicked. Let the righteous be righteous. God works His way in heaven and earth. I'm returning soon! And my reward is with me. I don't have time to do this, but bear with me. Isaiah 40, just a few sentences, if I can find it. 40, 40, 40. Verse 9, O Zion that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. This is the church. Lift it up. Be not afraid. And Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him. Our reward is in Christ and He is our reward. And His work before Him. Now catch this. This is the reward we have in Christ. He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs in His arm and carry them in His bosom. And shall gently lead those that are with young. That's here. We've got a reward in heaven, certainly. We'll be with Him, made righteous, and dwell with Him forever. But here, our reward. And He comes quickly. We have that while we're here. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And on that we will, Amen.